0: expert insight clear analysis strategy in action welcome to the ceo to ceo podcast featuring the world's top ceos the podcast will welcome honest conversations meant to challenge traditional ways of thinking from fellow global industry leaders this podcast will also explore the intricate world of MA from an insider's perspective MA is a big deal one in which you can drive the future of your business, your industry, and even the trajectory of the marketplace. This podcast is hosted by Kevin Campbell, CEO of CINITY. CINITY is a global enterprise data solution provider specializing in data operations and data transformation. Kevin is a global champion in data and has served as the former Group Chief Executive Officer at Accenture and COO of Oscar Insurance Corporation. This week, Kevin sits down with Andy Zimmerman, president of Frog Design, one of the world's leading design and innovation firms. Prior to joining Frog, he was the managing director of the Accenture New Businesses, where he launched the Accenture Interactive and Mobility businesses that make up the majority of what is now Accenture Digital. Previously, he was a managing director at Idealab, one of the first and most successful incubators and global managing partners for e-business at PWC.
1: Welcome to this week's CEO to CEO podcast. Today we're delighted to have on with us Andy Zimmerman. Andy's the uh, CEO of uh, Frog Design, so we'll uh, we'll explore with him uh, what a what a design company is like. And uh, Andy's done a lot of other interesting things in his life, including being an author. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that. Welcome to the show,
2: Andy. Well, thanks, Kevin. Great to be here.
1: How about if you start out with just giving us a little quick overview of your career?
2: Just briefly, I started out life wanting to uh, be the great American writer, novelist. Uh, As uh, you mentioned, Kevin, I I was a little late uh, getting my first novel out last year. But uh, then I fell into business and uh, ended up a chunk of my career was at PwC Consulting, ultimately running the e-business practice back in the dot-com era. Uh, Then I got involved with Venture Capital, uh, uh, was a a managing director at Idealab, one of the leading incubator VCs at that time, and uh, ran a small company, a public company for a while, and then spent 10 years at Accenture, where you and I uh, crossed paths, um, doing everything from running the comms practice to really being involved in starting up Accenture Digital, and then uh, basically have been at at Frog uh, for the last six years as their CEO.
1: And so uh, why don't you... Uh, tell us what attracted you to Frog?
2: Well, Frog is, is you know, one of the icon, iconic design firms in the world. It's actually more than 50 years old. Uh, its founder, Hartmut Essinger, was a German designer who was famous for, for example, working with Steve Jobs in the early uh, Apple years, uh, having uh, worked with Steve to design the Apple IIc, the Apple Macintosh, Lisa, followed him to NextCube and designed NextCube. The actual uh, software design, uh, the Snow White design language, all of that was uh, was Frog and, and Hartmut. But since then, we're, we're kind of famous for work we've done in areas like uh, more recently, Sirius XM, the most version, the newest version of that, the newest version of HBO Max, um, uh, the home lighting system for IKEA. I mean, it just goes on and on. And so, um, a lot of work uh, for an amusement park company I cannot name, but uh, redesigning the entire experience at a the largest amusement park in the world. Um, And so it's a lot of fun to kind of be exposed to the way in which designers think and um, the kind of work that we get to do. Um, It tends to be kind of of state-of-the-art, a little bit bleeding edge, um, if not a lot bleeding edge. And um, I like to say that, you know, I get to see the future before it appears in in the real world by being uh, Running Frog.
1: That's awesome. Uh, That's got to be exciting. So how does... How does Frog uh attract clients and get work? Sounds like a you know an iconic brand, been around for a long time. How do they how do they get new clients?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, we're we're kind of um most of our work is inbound. Most of the time it's cl- people calling us and asking us to propose uh, to do something, and it really is because of the power of the brand. They they either um, you know, have uh, known someone who's used us, or um, you know, they they have they've used us at another at another company. Um, on the designer side, um, you know, most uh, designers study uh, the work uh, in Frog in in school. I mean, most uh, you know they they study the Snow White design design language, which probably was the first and and most you know successful design language in in design history. Things like that. So some of the kids that come into Frog tell me, you know, God, I can't believe I'm working at Frog. You know studied when I was in school. So, um, so I think in a design community in particular, not necessarily in a greater business community, Prague is, you know, incredibly well known. I think in places like Silicon Valley, because of the history we've had with Jobs and Michael Dell and others, um, you know, where, where Prague is very well known as well in the technology space. So d-
1: describe to us, I know you guys have labs, describe to us kind of how you work with clients, because I think it's fascinating. Uh, based on what we've talked about before.
2: We're sort of a studio-based business. So our our frogs, uh, and we can talk about uh, the pandemic, but uh, before the pandemic, our frogs would work in studios. We're in uh, 14 studios in 10 different countries. And these studios are set up purposely to to, uh, encourage flow of people. I mean, there's not a lot of standing workstations and so forth, there's a lot of rooms. The rooms actually change. Most of the rooms have moving walls and and are and are designed around particular programs we're working on but um uh, so they're very flexible and they're and they're and and they're physical meaning for example we were hired by a beverage company recently to come up with a craft beer retail concept and we actually built the store in the studio in new york i mean a a a prototype of the store and then had real people come in and walk through it and we looked at the flows and interviewed them and kept diaries so so it's a very dynamic place where one day you might see a uh, a robot like fighting another robot, and then the other day you might see a craft bar where a bunch of people seem to be drinking beer and having a good time, and that that's sort of the environment uh, at Frog.
1: How do you decide as CEO what what stuff you get involved in? Is it mostly on the sales side, or do you stay close to some of the big accounts? What how do you how do you figure out your day?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think my. I'm just, uh, you know, I happen to have someone working with me, the COO, who's very strong. And so uh, operationally, I can rely on him to deal with a lot of the things around finance and ops. Um, My focus tends to be on clients and sales and relationships, uh, people. Uh, you know, uh, designers, creatives require a lot, of, a lot of attention, a lot of care and feeding. Um, they, what motivates them is quite different than the type A kind of traditional consultant. And one of the things that motivates them is that they feel they're getting attention, they're being listened to, even at, even at, at my level. Um, and, then, and then I'm out there with the press and the media and speaking and so forth, because we, we do, you know, our brand is about, you know, forecast, you know, future casting and, and the future and, what, and, and trends and so forth. Uh, so that's where I'm spending most of my time, sort of, you know, media speaking, uh, key client relationships, and then and then taking care of our people.
1: What are some of the favorite projects? You've mentioned some, but are some other ones that come to mind that you guys have done so far or well, most recently? Yeah,
2: you know, we're working on one today that happens to be a favorite of mine. I can't really say the name of the company. It's a stealth mode uh, startup, but it's very uh, backed by some, you know, major uh, major investors. Um, And it's, uh, it's a uh, application to train puppies. So uh, this is particularly germane to me, because my, my uh, partner and I just acquired a puppy about uh, two months ago, and uh, it's not ready the the application. So we're training it, we're learning the hard way. But um, what it is a combination of things. So it's an internet of things type of application, because there are sensors around the home that sense both movement and audio for the dog. Um, then all, those, all that data goes up into the cloud and there's an AI application running up there that analyzes that motion and audio and then feeds back on a mobile app back to the owner and prompts the owner for what to do. And uh, so it helps the owner train uh, the puppy. Um, so you know, it, it utilizes a lot of kind of leading edge technology in terms of sensors and uh, AI. Um, it also solves a very human and real need um, and of course, it's going to do really well on our website, kind of similar to those ads you see for the puppies in the animal shelters on the news. Um, right. You know, we'll definitely play this one up when we can go public with it because it will tug at the hearts of, of people everywhere when they see these little puppies being trained.
1: Well, you'll have to let me know when it's available because I should be an early subscriber because I've got a 14 year old and a six year old Labradoodles and they have had try, tried many training programs. And let's say, you know, they're saying they're trying to train me and I haven't succeeded. So, <laughs> well,
2: well, I'll put you on the, on the waiting list.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, tell us about COVID and how has COVID changed your business? As you said, you were, uh, you've got studios all over the place and that has to have had a pretty big change.
2: Yeah, no, it was fairly dramatic. We, we, uh, we have a studio in Shanghai and that's where it started, of course. And uh, <clears throat> that was the first studio to close. Um, That also was the first studio to reopen, interestingly. Um, But uh, as we kind of had the COVID going around the world into Europe and then North America, you know, we began to close our studios. Um, Then the other thing, uh, you know, one of the things we do is a lot of design research and we do it in the field. Um, So when we do research, we'll go to people's homes, we'll we'll do photo diaries, we'll keep you know, we'll do observation, interviews and so forth. Um, all of that, of course, couldn't happen with COVID. So we, we lost our ability to do in-person design research. We lost our ability to be in studios, to work. And frankly, when this started happening, if you had asked me what the impact it would have on our business, I would have thought maybe it would cut it in half, because I just felt like that's what we do. Everything we do requires people being together. Uh, what's happened is we've learned that you can do a lot through remote working, using tools like Teams and Miro and so forth. And actually, um, we uh, was set back early on, of course, when just everyone was shocked by COVID. Since then, we now grow, actually having some healthy growth and, uh, and hiring people. And, you know, uh, and, and about half of our studios are partially open. Half are pretty much completely closed. Um, we have done a survey of clients and, and employees. And what we found was clients feel the quality of work is the same as before. Um, What they miss is more the social human touch aspect of the relationship. They miss the dinners, they miss the, you know, the sidebar conversations, but they think the quality is there. The productivity is up um, because people don't have as many distractions. Um, And so, and then depending on the demographic of the employee, uh, older employees, and of course, uh, mothers uh, or or employees with uh, families and so forth actually are quite positive about the flexibility they now have. Um, younger employees actually are really do, you know, want to come into the studios because part of becoming part of frog is that, that experience, but business wise, it's been very, like, I think a lot of people it's been very eye opening and we're definitely rethinking, you know, the role of the studio going forward, it may become more of the, the new offsite, you know, uh, type of thing, using it for marketing and offsite purposes, a little less for working purposes, although, you know, we do plan to reopen, studios. Um, we just probably won't need as much space going forward.
1: How has it been to attract and and hire people, especially when they're, you know, it's such a creative atmosphere that you're looking for creative spark juice in COVID. Have you been able to hire good people?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, um uh, I think uh, since the beginning of the year, I think we've hired about 50 people, which is a lot for a company the size of Frog, um, partly because we are, you know, businesses booming. Um, and, uh, um, you know, we, we're pretty happy with the results we're getting. I mean, we, we have a fairly rigorous approach. And so we do a lot of kind of interactive types of exercises as, as part of the interviews um, where we can, uh, you know, which we do in person, but now we're doing with uh, tools like Miro and so forth. And, um, we're finding that, um, and then we go out of our way to using different rituals and um, we call them to kind of welcome and onboard people, you know, in, in a situation where they're never, they've never been to the studio. Right. And, um, so we have this sort of frog me thing where you give a presentation to people in your studio, when you first come on board, you have a mentor kind of uh, a person that kind of, you know, moves around the organization, um, and so forth. So, um, you know, I think there's no doubt people really do miss the, the human touch part of it. But we have been able to successfully attract and retain people. Our attrition attrition's down, you know, from uh, previously, I think, because, you know, people's just a little bit more reluctant to explore the market when they're happy where they are. Um, uh, but, yeah, uh, we've been pretty lucky on the recruiting side.
1: You talked about organic growth. Uh, do you guys do acquisitions, too, or is your main strategy, if you look forward, you know, two, three years, is most of it organic growth?
2: Historically, Frog has pretty much entirely been organic growth. We bought a little outfit in Milan like 20, 30 years ago and a little digital group in Austin, which was great because it became, you know, the our Austin studio, which is one of our largest. And, of course, with the market there, it's, you know, perfectly positioned. Um, but that those were very modest uh it's all been organic. i mean you know we had we were acquired by capgemini last year and I think that um, uh, there are related services uh, services kind of adjacent to frog where there might be opportunities to to acquire uh companies um, uh, in related and adjacent areas but um up to now you know uh our growth has been organic
1: let's talk uh just quickly about some of the stuff you guys do to uh give back so i know there's some not-for-profit projects that you do and i've had a chance to look at some of those so are there a couple that that come to mind that in the in the give back category of things that you guys are doing
2: yeah i think um you know the way we give back is is we'll do work for ngos and so forth you know frankly it at at rates and uh, that you know barely you know cover our costs type of thing so um and you know some of the larger programs we did recently we did one uh pretty famous uh one for the un around crisis management so we developed a platform that if there is a natural or uh, uh man-made crisis whether it's war um, earthquakes whatever it is there's a platform now they use um, so all the various stakeholders, all the health services organizations, the governmental organizations, so forth, can access <clears throat> this platform and get and work off of a common uh, sort of uh, mo- you know moment of truth as to what's going on in the ground, <clears throat> and that's been you know activated and used very successfully. Um, so that's us helping people in crisis. Um, one we did recently, sponsored by a, um, a, 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 a Nike brand, was a uh, work we did around. Um, uh, teaching uh, uh, girls to dance in uh, in in northern Africa co- countries, um, traditionally they they tend to be kept in their huts until they're ready to be married. Um, you know that's sort of the culture. And so the 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 kind of request was, how do we get them to begin to socialize prior to you know getting married? How do we get them to <clears throat> socialize with each other? And we used uh, dance as a way of you know bringing them together and introducing them to socialization. You know outside of their family, basically, but short of, short of, you know, starting a family, um, which, you know, may seem like an obvious thing in Western culture, but was something in uh, the African Muslim culture, something that was was new. And, and we so we had to navigate between the cultural uh, sort of um, constraints you're dealing with, and the, uh, the, the desire to kind of give give young women, uh, teenage uh, girls an opportunity to just to, to experience, you know, a social life.
1: That's great, and we mentioned before that you, uh, you you told us that you always wanted to be an author, and this year you finally are. So, what was the what was the inspiration to uh, finally uh, get your book done, and what's it based on?
2: Yeah, so uh, the book, and I I have no problem plugging it, Journey by Andrew Zimmerman, it's on Amazon and everywhere else, um, but. Uh, No, what happened was it really, it's not a memoir, it's a novel, but it was inspired by some personal events in my life. In fact, while I was at Accenture, I think probably, uh, Kevin, you were there at the same time, um, I went through an experience uh, very almost accidentally. Now I would say synchronistically. um, I went through an experience where I uh, was introduced to a little village in England called Glastonbury, best known for the music festival, but also a place of rich history and mythology and now a bit of a new age sort of gathering place. And there I had a, uh, a reading, a soul reading with an individual that, uh, that just opened me up and uh, it kind of awakened me and kind of re put me in touch with myself. And that led to a series of events and a bit of a journey in my life um, in, terms of, uh, in terms of getting to know my younger self and uh, getting to uh, come up with a new way of dealing with, with business challenges and personal challenges. And uh, inspired me to write the book. So while it is fiction, it is about a character who's kind of in a you will probably you you would recognize Kevin. It's called Ascendant in the novel, uh, not a very well disguised uh, you know uh, term for Accenture, but it's a it's a hot you know hard driving guy trying to get the top at a big place like Accenture, and he kind of loses track you know of what's important and what what's meaningful, and then it kind of both you know somewhat humorously and, and humor with humor and sometimes with with real um, drama, you know, it paints a picture of someone trying to navigate the spiritual and the business world, and uh, and uh, he has to make some decisions at the end of the end of the book. And there's two novels to follow. It's a trilogy, so this is just the first one.
1: Are you working on the second one now?
2: Yeah, I'm about two thirds through the first draft. We're supposed to try to get it out in March, which was the first anniversary of the novel of Journey, but it's going to be later, probably late summer now. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty far along.
1: What would, what advice would you have for any CEOs out there that want to write a novel? Well, probably I wouldn't
2: try to do it. <laughs> I'd say right? I'd say only CEOs that that travel a lot to Europe and Asia should do it because what I found my most productive time for writing we were on long flights you know, five, six hour flights, or of course, Asia, even more. I got a lot of chapters written on these long flights where you don't have the same, you know, you don't have the phone connectivity anyway, the audio. Um right. But it it was hard. It took me, you know, it took me eight years, you know, so uh for the first one. So, you know, it it wasn't like I wrote it in the weekend or anything.
1: Yeah, no, it it it's quite a, uh, you said a labor of love, though,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, no, I had to do it. I, the one thing I would say is that, uh, what the most fulfilling thing for me is um and you know it's done reasonably well it did make number one bestseller for metaphysical fiction when it first came out uh on amazon but um sometimes i get i get a note from someone i don't know who they are you know and they get to me through linkedin or something and they say gee i read your book and uh and i've kind of opened up you know i i'm sort of opening up myself and, uh, I just want to thank you, you know, a type of thing. And it's and particularly when it comes from a perfect stranger. So if it comes from friends and family, it's one thing, but somebody I've never met and probably never will met, it, you know, that actually make me, makes me feel a little bit like I'm giving back a bit to, to the world and, uh, and just makes me feel really good.
1: That's awesome. Hey, two questions. I like to ask all of the guests who, who have, who have been your mentors and what have you learned for them?
2: Well, my biggest mentor in life, I, I won't say his name because I don't want to, you know, he um, but he he was a fellow that actually I met when i when I first joined what was then Coopers and Librand, and he ran Hr for for uh, the New York office. and he and there was an issue, a positive issue, but an issue where he intervened and kind of made it right for me. And we just struck up a relationship. And uh, I worked for him for as one point in my career, he was involved with idea lab, he was a very senior person at AT&T and, um, and, a big investor, very successful investor and so forth. And even to this day, I'm out on the West Coast now and he lives he and his wife and live in uh, Carmel and we play golf and I see him, you know, every month or two. And, uh, and, uh, you know, he's just always been my mentor, my advisor, sort of, uh, you know, my friend.
1: And what's the best career advice you've ever gotten?
2: From this individual, um, actually, sort of in the midst of, of the experience I was having, which I kind of, you know, portray a bit in the novel, you know, the awakening and beginning to think, what's it all about? Um, I was walking in his backyard. He's a huge, you know, wonderful uh, grounds to his house. And we're in the gardens. And I was talking about, you know, whether I should try to get this job or that job or this promote. you know, I'm just rattling on about stuff. And I said, what do you think? And he said, he says, I think you need to stop and you need to smell the roses. And that was the best advice I ever got.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. So we know we can get your book on Amazon. If people want to talk to you about Frog Design and, and get your services, how do they get a hold of you?
2: Well, my email, I guess, is best. It's andrew.zimmerman at frogdesign.com. Uh, uh, you can just go to the website. If you just Google frog or whatever, you'll get to the website and you can just do a query and just mention my name that you want to talk to me is another way to do it. Uh, or on LinkedIn. I do, t- I do look at my messages on LinkedIn. So those will be three ways to reach me.
1: Andy Zimmerman, thanks for being on. CEO of Frog Design. Thanks for being on. We really enjoyed. And to the audience, tune in next week when we'll have another CEO uh, talk about uh, their journey and their life. Thank you
0: for joining the CEO to CEO podcast. Join us next time as we uncover data strategies to support mergers, acquisitions, divestitures with the world's top CEOs.